1 Kings chapter 11. We will continue to learn from the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 11. I have been told before that, preacher, I wish you would go to the New Testament. You've been in the Old Testament so long. Well, we, we jumped eight chapters into 1 Kings this week, so maybe you're getting your way. I don't know. But there are great lessons in the Old Testament that most Christians today don't, don't get to hear from a pulpit because preachers preach candy stick sermons today too often. You know what a candy stick sermon is. It's one that tastes real sweet and it's very good at the time. You can go out and say, man, that was really good. I want you to go out and say, oh, me every now and then. Amen? I want us to learn something from the Old Testament because that's why it was written. Romans 15, verse 4 says it was written for us to learn from it. And there are so many great lessons. And, and I just, I don't have, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to live to be 90 years old. And I don't know that I'd want to preach to you people when I'm 90 years old. So i got to rush my way through some of these things in the Old Testament for us to learn it. But let's look at this. We advance in the book to, to chapter 11, and we look at a summary of Solomon's life. It's, it's a summary in, in a great part. But King Solomon loved many strange women. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands here of who are guilty. But he's not the last guy or gal to have a problem with having more relationships than they need to have, right? Now, he was a, he was a wise man. He was a wizard. He had them all at one time. Now, I think about that. I think, now, that's, that's an accomplishment. I can imagine me having a second one with my wife being who she is. She's already told me what I would receive. I don't want it. I'll just take my chances with one. <laughs> but King Solomon loved many, and then the word many is enough. It doesn't stop there. Strange. I'm not going to pick on anybody today, but strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Amorites, Edomites, Zidonians, the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely, here's the point, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Now, the, the, the restriction here is not a racial uh, uh, restriction. And some people jump to that conclusion that this is a racial uh, restriction. It's not a racial restriction. That, that racial restrictions were never practiced in Old Testament time. Okay, that wasn't, that wasn't an issue. The restriction here is they will turn your heart away from God. It was a religious restriction. You follow it? You follow it? It's a religion. They're going to turn you away from They have their religion. So the lesson about marriage here and, and dating is for you to date and marry someone 
within the faith if you are a Christian. That's it, really. Yep. So the restriction is not a racial one. And people jump to that conclusion. Now, I'll say that about three times a day because I want you to understand that's not, that's not taught in Scripture. Okay? Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives. Wow. Shaker and a mover, man. Princesses. 300 concubines. My wife asked me last week, how in the world was one classified concubine and others classified wives? I don't know. You asked him if he's in heaven. You asked him, all right, when you get there. I'm not, I don't like to get into those kind of discussions with my wife anyway. Any of you guys smart enough to stay out of those? Yeah, I don't go there. Verse 4, And it came to pass, when Solomon was old, here it is, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. Now, his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, Notice this, as was the heart of David, his father. Let me ask you a question about David. Was David's life perfect before God? Was David's life even close to being perfect? No, but his heart, his heart. Now, don't use this for an excuse, but his heart was right in the right way. He he loved the Lord. He He came short. He fell short. He wasn't what he ought to have been. Amen. But his heart was after God. You can use that for an excuse to sin if you want to. But that's not why it's there. But Solomon's heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. As was the heart of David his father. Verse 4. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth. The goddess of the Zidonians. After Melchum the abomination of the Amorites, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. What a terrible summary. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. Lord, as we grow older, help us to go fully after the Lord, right? He did not go fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Psalms 51 is an indication that David sought after God after his great mistake, after his great sin. Let me call it what it is. Verse 7, Then did Solomon build a high place for Shermoth, the abomination of Moab, and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. By the way, Molech, that's going to really get them in trouble later. They're going to sacrifice their children to the god Molech. I mean, this guy is creating an atmosphere where children of Israel can totally get out of control. Totally get out of control. This is what he did evil. This is the this is the the iniquities of Solomon. Verse 8. And likewise did he, for all of his strange wives, he made their religion form, which burnt in, incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon. The Lord was angry with Solomon. Boy, you don't want to make God mad, do you? The Lord was angry with Solomon, verse 9, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel. 
which had appeared unto him twice. Great privilege God gave him to appear to him twice. God's never appeared to me. Has he appeared? No. He doesn't show himself to us in a, in a real way like he did Solomon. And for that great privilege, there's great accountability. And he fell short. And so it goes on to verse 10, and, and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. That's going to be Jeroboam is who he's going to give it to. Verse 12, notwithstanding, because of David, in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Here we got a son dealing with what his father's already atmosphere created by his father, and his son's not going to do any better, and he's going to lose the kingdom. Of course, he has his own responsibility and own faults that he does to make that happen. Verse 13, Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to thy son, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. If you look at verse 13, you can see the concept taught in the Bible of a remnant. There's always a remnant of faithful people. There's always a remnant of people that will love God. God's not interested in a majority. God's never interested in a majority following him. He's always interested in a remnant. Always interested in those that are willing, those that love him. And so we finish verse 13. Then verse 14 says, And the Lord stirred up. This is a great lesson for us. And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon. Who did? The Lord, right? The Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite, and he was of the king's seed in Eden. Now verse 23. Verse 23, it says, And God stirred him up another adversary, Rezon, the son of Eladah, which fled from his lord Hadadezer, and I always have trouble with it, king of Zoban. That's verse 23. Now verse 29, And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam, the servant of Solomon, went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shunite, found him in the way, He had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in 12 pieces. Now, before we go any further, why would you think that that prophet would tear that that clothing in 12 pieces? Represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Right, you got it. Well, just make sure we got an educated crowd. Verse 31 And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant 
David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, and the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Now verse 39. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. God's judgment on his people is never forever, right? Never forever, right? God's judgment on his people is never forever, only for a time. And he restores them. That's a good picture of God's love for us. Amen? And then verse 40, Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam. And Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt till the death of Solomon. Okay. Now, as I said, we're moved up, and we're going to look at the summary of Solomon. And Solomon, of course, was a great man in so many ways. We, we're not talking about his, you know, we're not bringing up all the great things he accomplished. He accomplished great things, very successful. He established order in the kingdom. He used his great wisdom that God gave him and insight to, to establish Israel as a world power. David had not done that. He had only established, within its own borders, David established Israel as a great nation within its border. But Solomon made it a world power, okay, of that time. He made allegiances and alignments. And that's why he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Don't think that he proposed all those uh, gals, and, and, and don't think that he had relations with all of those gals. I don't know what that was like for him, and, and, uh, but, but we know many of those, most of those were there as agreements made. I mean, the value of women did not go up in this world until we see Jesus come onto the scene. Let's give Jesus the credit for that. Do you see Jesus? Now, that's not saying that, that you know, I'm not trying to preach that sermon. But, but there it is. Now, he used his wisdom, established these alignments and agreements. And even in the text that I skipped through, the Queen of Sheba came and visited Solomon. And, and she said, I've, I've not seen anything like it. He, and she just blows it up. And Solomon, he was a collector of gold. He, he, didn't, he didn't think much of silver. He wasn't too high on silver. And, and also it says in one of the chapters that he built a great navy. So it's a world power. He, he's, he's really succeeded in so many ways. Of course, nothing to outdo that he built the temple of the Lord, didn't he? He built a temple. And it stood there. That temple stood there till the Babylonian captivity when it was destroyed. And then it was rebuilt when they came back. The second temple, they call that. And so... God used him to build the temple. If you'll read the passages about the temple, much of the temple was overlaid with gold. That's how prosperous Solomon was in his time. God had blessed him. The vessels, all the vessels were of gold in his house and in the Lord's house. All of these vessels were of gold. And, and only until after Hezekiah's day were they taken away. They were taken. And they had to, they had to use brass. You know, we use plastic at our house, by the way. <laughs> now, because Israel was so great, the king was able to build his own residence, the king's palace. 
the stones and the pillars and the molten images and all of gold. Everything was gold. Silver was very little at the time. That's how wealthy they were. And then the ark was brought back to the temple and they had a big worship day. And we didn't cover that chapter. They had a tremendous worship day. And Solomon's heart is right with God about these things. But if you'll go back to the very beginning, there's some things that he did not have right in the beginning that are going to raise up and cost him. Something we need to do in our Christian life is to take an evaluation of what we have approved of in our life and say, you know, is this something that really needs to be a part of my life or not? And as you grow in Christ, you'll learn as a Christian that there are some things that were okay. We covered that last week, didn't we? Some things are okay now, but God says, no, that's not anything you need to continue. So we should eliminate things out of our life that are a hindrance to God's blessing. And things that will bring trouble in our life. God, help us as we grow in Christ to mark things that need to be out of our life and get rid of them. So, things are well. Chapter 11 tells us things were not all well. Things look well, but things were never, never all well. Is that not true about everybody's life? You know, you're either one of these people that are living everything outward and it's all bad, or you're maybe one that's living all inward and you don't see anything wrong, and then boom, one day it shows up. That's just us, isn't it? There was a problem. What's the problem? Verse 1. Verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women. This became a habit, apparently. He loved many strange women. Success is the problem, okay? Success is a great thing. We need to succeed, and, and I promote success. I want you to succeed. You say, preacher, why do you want to succeed? Because I want God to bless you, and I want the tithe too. I don't get it, by the way, the church does. Better make that clear. Verse 3, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned, there it is, turned his heart away from God. Make sure you don't have more in your life, so much in your life, that you cannot keep God first. Make sure you don't... See, our character does not always live up to our success. The more success we have, the more character we need to keep God First in our life. But seek ye first the kingdom of God is righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Solomon might have said, it's a tough life, but somebody has to live it. Wisdom. Solomon, through his wisdom, accomplished all these great things. But he was a very accommodating soul. If you'll notice... Wisdom. If you look and you think about wisdom in your own life. Think about wisdom with me for a moment. Wisdom is very important. I have prayed for wisdom all my life. And, and I try to read the Bible so I can gain wisdom. But here's something I've learned about wisdom. Wisdom is always a very, very much accommodating. It's always accommodating. If I do this, then this is going to be bigger and better. If I allow that, you see how accommodating wisdom is. It's smart. It's smart. And it's right. And I'm not downplaying it. Hey, 
Solomon is the victim of success, and we have to be careful with success that it doesn't ruin us. His wealth, his prosperity, I believe gave Solomon the idea that he had a blank check with God and he could do no wrong. Do you think it's possible? I think it's very possible, don't you? I think it's very possible that he was so successful and he had two great meetings with God and he had his prayer answered. He was right on the right page that day and that's very easy, very easy to believe you got a blank check and you can do no wrong. But he did wrong. Now, the thought, the thought, you got to keep things in line. You know, Chick-fil-A, I don't, I'm not here to brag on Chick-fil-A. I, I love their chicken sandwich, all right? But I'm not here to brag on Chick-fil-A. But they, they're one of the most successful companies in the world. Can you agree with that? They are one of the most. And they are led by the, the father that passed away that founded the company was a great man of God. And they say Dan is too. I, there's some things I don't like that he does. It's his opinion. But I don't follow him either. I just pick it up in the news. But you can say this. They have some convictions that they follow. They don't open on Sunday. They ask you why. We want our employees to be able to go to church. Man. When I first heard of Chick-fil-A, I said, you know, that's not going to work. Anybody else think that way? I said, that's not going to work. Boy, was I wrong. Could it be that God just has blessed? Could it be that we need to learn something from them, that God will bless that? I, I'm going I'm to tell you, if Solomon was, was CEO uh, of, uh, of, of the company, he said, yeah, we're going to open on Sunday. And they, it's our, I read a piece one time about how much money they could make if they did that. That's not always the answer, is it? Amen. Now, Solomon, I'm going I'm to I'm get it sticky here for you so you can learn something. Solomon embraced pluralism. Pluralism is the philosophy. It's not necessarily that he's committed to, to the philosophy, but we, we look at the idea of pluralism. It, it is the philosophy that, that uh, people are different, religions are different, and they need to coexist in society. That's pluralism. Pluralism is just a little bit more than that if I really got into the... It really kind of evaluates each religion as one is as good as another. And that part I couldn't even say because I know that's so far off. Now the extreme opposite of pluralism is wrong too. And it leads to dictatorship. Okay? So you have pluralism on one side where... All religions are okay to go ahead and live them out. And on the other hand, you've got total dictatorship. And by the way, uh, you ought to read uh, about uh, the history of Rhode Island. Rhode Island, there was a, I'm not going to say much about, uh, uh, what was William's last name that was in New England? Who? Who? Penn. Penn? Yeah, William Penn. He was in, he's in New England, and they were mandatory, and people go to church where they want them to go to church. See a problem with that? You see a problem with that? 
And they persecuted him, and he's the founder of Rhode Island. I don't know if that's the right name or not, but anyway, the story's there. It's not in my notes, so I didn't write it all down. So uh, Solomon embraces pluralism, allowing all this to go on. Now let me say this, as a Christian, balance is the key, right? Don't need to be hating on other religions, okay? Just, you know, you don't need to stand out. You know, oh, yeah, I know I remember that about that guy. He hated other religions. Don't be that extreme. You, you can disagree. But the truth is, preach the truth and let the truth stand. That's where we should be as Christians. Would you say amen to that? Now, I'm going to get back to this, but Solomon's problem, verse 1, he loved many strange women. That was a problem that led to the problem. The problem actually was his heart was taken away from God. Okay, wife, the problem wasn't the strange, no, the problem was the strange women too, but it led to another problem. His heart was led away from God. Now, one wife was not even considered at the time for Solomon, right? You understand the context in which he lived. It wasn't even thought about. Although that was God's plan in the beginning, the original plan, one wife, right? That's God's plan. But it wasn't even thought about. And it was tolerated, much like many other problems in the world have been tolerated and not even thought about. And you know, how dare someone that is alive today to judge someone who tolerated things 200 years ago because they didn't have what you have to work with, right? You need to take care of your own self. That's the key there. Now, God told Israel not to take foreign wives because they would take your heart away because of their religions. Verse 2 of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. That's the problem. Turn your heart away from your God. Solomon loved the Lord. That's It states that right there in chapter 3. He loved the Lord. But all of his success took his heart away from loving God. The Bible here states the obvious. Solomon had 700 wives. If one wife would have been all it would have took, the wrong wife, to get him off, he had 700 chances, and then 300 concubines to get him going the wrong direction. The wisest man in the world couldn't compete with all of that. You follow it? And who can? So why does the Bible say flee fornication? We can't compete. Solomon, if I would have been there, I would have said, knowing what I know now, Solomon, you shouldn't make that mistake. If I would have been there, I'd probably been saying, hey, can I get in on this? Lord, help us. Verse 4, and it came to pass when Solomon was old. Gosh, getting old. It's not for the weak, is it? When he was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not 
perfect with the Lord his God. Hey, listen, some folks' hearts not with God when they're young. Oh, Lord, help us get it right between now and when we get old. But the daily wearing on him, the daily wearing on him, the daily wearing on him turned his heart away. How many remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Book of Genesis? Remember Joseph? Remember how he was a success? And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't mess up like Solomon, did he? Right? Man, he kept it right with God. And then there's Daniel, the same thing. Daniel's another example. There's great examples in the Bible who were men and women did not falter like Solomon faltered. But, you know, I think about old, old Joseph. You remember when he was in Potiphar's house and he was the head of things? He rose up in the ranks, become the chief man in all of his business. Remember what happened? Potiphar's wife started needling at him, trying to get a sexual relationship going with him. And he resisted it, didn't he? Can I say this to you? The best thing ever happened to Joseph is when they put him in jail. Say, preacher, that's not good. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not talking about me, but I got some good friends here, a couple good friends here. They told me, he said, preacher, if I was Joseph and she kept on needling after me like that, I would have finally fallen. Now, I didn't say that about myself. I said that about my unnamed friends that are out in the audience. Right? Best thing ever happened to him. God got him away from the temptation. Put him in prison. Kept him. Two years. You say, preacher, the worst thing ever happened going to jail. That's not the worst thing that ever happened to you. The worst thing ever happened to you is God just leave you alone, let you take care of yourself and destroy yourself. Man, I ain't getting no amens on this whatsoever. It's working on him, amen. Now, the condition of his heart, he, his heart was turned away from God. If old Solomon, if, if, if he'd got cancer or something, he might have woke up. You follow me? But everything went so well. The book of Amos tells us in chapter 3, verse 3, how can two walk together lest they agree? The, the key to walking with God is staying in, in, staying in tune with God. And you've got to stay in tune with God. Just because you are today don't mean you will be 10 years from now or 5 years. Now, the answer to pluralism, I told you I'd get back to this. The answer to pluralism is this. We don't eliminate the possibility of other religions. That's not the answer because that leads to, to dictatorship. But the answer is you've got to keep your heart right with God. And that's what God always wants. Now, let me ask you a question. Why did God put that? Why did he put that doggone plant in the middle of that garden? If I was God, I would have put that plant in that garden. Huh? What did God want? God, you're just setting them up for failure. God, you're just putting that plant there. there. Here's what God wants. God wants someone that loves him and chooses to love him. Isn't that true? God would have nothing but a bunch of more angels if he made Adam and Eve and didn't put that, that tree in the midst of that garden. And you know about you? You know about me? We'd, I'd like it never to be tempted. But that temptation is important. 
Because you've got to choose to love God and turn away from it. That's what God wants. And we don't always get it right, do we? But we know how to get right. That's what David had on Solomon. He knew how to get right. But Solomon apparently didn't. So, pluralism, you can't stop it because you have a dictatorship. But you've got to keep your heart right with God and make the right choices. Now, let me give you a scripture here. I don't go here very often, but it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and it's a good lesson for us. In chapter 6, verse 14, he says this. God, uh, through the apostle Paul, says, Be not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, here it is. Be careful of relationships with people that can talk, tear you away from God. He said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Beliah? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now let me say something to you. If you're going to be in politics, you're going to have to be associated with people that are not everything they need to be. Right? If you're going to be in business, you're going to have to be involved with people that can tear you down and take your heart away from God. And that's required if you're going to do that. And God calls you to do those things. And it's not for me to make those decisions. But you have to keep your heart right with God and it will wear on you. I tell you what, give me a little cabin in the corner of nowhere. I can live for God out there with nobody bothering me if I don't have internet. But what good did I accomplish with that? Are you hearing me? God would rather you be in the mix of it all and love Him in spite and make right choices in spite. And that's what you have to do. And I hope you understand that. But the principle of separation for believers is taught in Scripture that we don't need to be bound to people that take us down. We need to be careful about those relationships. You need to watch them. You need to keep... And on the other hand, you need to be careful that you don't become a person that develops an attitude of superiority and pride because and judgmentalism because you don't do those things. There's, church, there's churches where all people that do these things congregate and mix together and join together and they look down at everybody that don't live just like they do. And we don't need, need to be a part of that either. We need to let our faith be real and lived out, but we don't have to be a nut Okay. Now Solomon became idolatrous. Look at verse 5. He says this, And Solomon went after Asheroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. And, and then he says, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. And every one of us are capable of doing that. That's the lesson. Keep our love for God first. Verse 6, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. The more we accomplish, the more God has to be in our life. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He went not fully after the Lord. Verse 7 and 8, Solomon sows the seed of idolatry that in generations to come will cause the destruction of the nation. Be good. Here's a good lesson. Leave the place better when you leave than it was when you came. 
That's the world in which you live in. That's the home in which you have. That's your church you're a part of. And I want to challenge you, men and women. Hey, you that are getting a little older, you ought to be your goal to leave the place in a little better condition than it was when you came. Isn't that a great goal? Yeah. Be careful of your influence. Now we see the judgment in verse 9. And the Bible says here, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared to him twice. With great revelation comes great accountability and responsibility. Verse 9, great light brings great responsibility. He said, I'll take the kingdom away from you. In verse 11, and I'll have mercy on you in your lifetime and not let it take place in your lifetime, but in the lifetime of your son. Now, I want to get to this, and then we'll close. The method by which God brought judgment to Solomon, because this works in our life today. This explains what's going on. Verse 14, here you are. Things are going well. Man, you're a shaker and a mover. You're doing whatever it is. Maybe it's on a little world over here, or a big world up here, or wherever it is. Things are going well, but you're... Your relationship with God is, is you're just kind of neglecting it. Verse 14, and the Lord stirred up an adversary. Maybe your combine broke down. An adversary. Amen. Maybe there are job cuts at the company where you worked. And God stirred up an adversary. Does God make all evil happen for this reason? No. But God does use it, doesn't he? And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon. So let me say to you, and here's what you need to listen, and you better listen, and I'm not going to say it again. I'm going to say it today. I'm not going to say it anymore. If things are going well for you and you have prospered and God has blessed you, you better not take that as a blank check and say, I can do anything I want to. God's going to bless it. You better keep your heart close to God. If you are saved, he will stir up an adversary. If you're not saved, you can just go do whatever you want to do. Do it all. It ain't going to be what you accomplish in this world that's going to be the most important thing. It's going to be when you stand before God. That's the most important thing. So if you've got a great opportunity, you need to be accountable. The more you have opportunity, the more you prosper, the more you've got to keep an eye on not your adversary, but on your heart. Hey, Dad. I could get into him, but I don't have time. Verse 23, one wasn't enough. This man's super successful. He's really doing good. And so that didn't really get it done. Oh, well, Solomon said, oh, that's just a little problem. Problems are a part of life. You've got to deal with problems and not get paid to deal with problems. And I've succeeded because I know how to deal with problems. I can handle problems. No problem, no problem, no problem. Verse 23, and God stirred up. Stirred him up another adversary. Oh, well, well, you know, it's down market time. You know, things are not as well as they have been. We've had their good times and we've had our bad times. And we're going to succeed. It's going to be all right. We're going to work right through this thing. And when we're going to get this behind us, we're going to borrow more money at a higher rate. And we're going to succeed anyway. Everything's going to be all right. Are you saved? Yeah, I am saved. Well, it may be bigger than a market turn. 
It may be your heart. Are you hearing? It may be our heart. Preacher, how do you know all this stuff? Because I've dealt with it myself. Verse 25. And he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon. Besides the mischief of Hadad did, and he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. Hey, it was all, it just, Solomon, you just not, you're not getting it, are you? You, you got that blank check and you had that prayer right there and you nailed it 100% right and you are the wisest man and how can everything go wrong? How can this happen? God's going to work it all out and when I get to the end of my days, I'm going to be in the Fortune 500 for sure. He didn't lose everything, did he? But he lost his love for God. A man shared testimony in our church when I was young. I was about 20 years old before I came here. About being successful but not being where God wanted him. And he shared with tears. With tears that testimony. Boy, it's important to keep our heart right with God. Idolatry. Don't love anything more than you love God. Don't love your work more than you love God. Don't love your church more than you love God. Don't love your children more than you love God. I'll tell you what God has a tendency to do to take away from you the thing that you put before Him. Idolatry. God hates it. That's why God destroyed Israel. Jeroboam 29-32 Outside attack. Outside attack. Inside attack. He ain't paying attention. He's not listening. He's not learning. His walk with God is more important than the fact that he has all the wisdom of the world. God gave Jeroboam ten of the tribes of the twelve. Idolatry was the problem. Now listen, Jeroboam was no better than Solomon. That doesn't make any difference. God deals with his children, not the world. God hates idolatry. We'll close with verse 39. He says, And I will for this afflict the seed of David. I will afflict the seed of David. Leave it right there. And I will for this afflict the seed of David. Anybody here been through afflictions? Anybody can say, Preacher, Solomon's life nailed me. That's me, man. I, I'm still going. I'm still working. But my Lord, there's been afflictions. Can I give you some good news to close with? Last four words. But not forever. <laughs> but not forever. The sooner you clean it up, the sooner God fixes it. If you wait... Thank God death's going to deliver you from the headaches. You're going to walk the streets of gold if you know Christ as your Savior. Some of the things we decide in, when we think that we can never make mistakes, we never get over. We never, we never get through it. What are we to do? We're just to be faithful to God. Faithful to God and love the Lord. And love the Lord. See, David, I, I, in the study of the life of David, David never reached the heights of joy and peace that he had before his affliction, before he created all of his problems.
But there's a level of it. And guess what? Not forever. He's enjoying God's blessings now. Let's bow our heads. The lesson of Solomon's life. Quietly stand to our feet. Our musicians come. I want to give an invitation today for a Christian that wants to put the Lord first. For a Christian that wants to be like Solomon without the failures of Solomon. I don't know that you can be without the failures. There are those things that are going to occur. And you are not going to get everything right. You are not going to get everything right. But you know how to get right. So we open the invitation for somebody who wants to get right. Somebody who wants to make it right. On this altar today, just nail it down. Also want to invite you to come to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And if you're not a Christian, we want to invite you to come to Christ. If you need to restore your walk with God, you come. If you need to get right with God, you come. All right, let's sing it out. Y'all look this way and sing out. Just as I am without one plea, but that.